Welcome to Hookah Chats with Matt and Ethan, a podcast where two friends catch up and talk about whatever nerdy stuff comes to mind, usually over hookah. Enjoy. Nothing much. <laughs> I'm just doing my best, as usual. Is my AC making too much noise? No, 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 you're good. Good, because it's blisteringly hot up here. <laughs> oh yeah well how what's the what's the temp like in in good old clearfield county right now today it was 92 and our humidity is at like 62 percent right you're swimming in soup yeah well you're in virginia so i can't really complain too much can i <laughs> oh it's pretty hot here yeah i imagine <laughs> if you were about 50 miles more south i'd be like just just shoot yourself it's, yeah i don't know how people go on with their lives if i was really honest with you <laughs> Oh man! Well, look at that getup you got there. You look all professional and stuff. Listeners, Ethan has a an actual um, microphone with uh, a shield and everything. He looks like uh, Shadow Stevens from the the '80s. <laughs> that's right. That's right. I don't know what that is, but I but I'm yeah. also a dirty millennial. Um, but no, I I do. I I coughed up some money um, to get uh, equipment that makes me sound a little better. Yeah. And um, I like it okay. I'm still learning, you know, kind of where I want to place it and so that I don't lose it and stuff, like lose the sound quality and things. Since I have to do office hours now at school, because um, I have uh, I have our Zoom office hours with the 60 undergrads that I TA, mm -hmm. I, I'm like, well, I might as well, you know, have a setup where everybody can hear me pretty okay and you know, they're like, oh, this guy, this guy's for real. He's not just, some, <laughs> you know. Like, That's great, because now you, you'll sound like the learned, intelligent one, and I'll just be like the 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 Muppet in the background yelling on his laptop. <laughs> That's okay. You always sound good, though. Yeah, when you I know. Your... I can't help it. I know. I know. You can't even try. <laughs> oh, man. So, so back to school, huh? I am back to school. It Tell is me happened. a little about that. Things are good. I so my first week, I finished my first week this week. Right. Um, I got I I didn't have a, my Monday stuff because the semester started on Tuesday. But usually I'll have mm -hmm. Monday things. But I got to go to my first um, two uh, uh, second year PhD seminar, like my two classes. You know, I, I've taken three classes this semester, but my one's on Monday, so I haven't taken that yet. Um, I'm taking a class on um, aesthetics, theology, and ethics. So all what that means is I'm I'm reading books about like beauty and emotion and stuff, and how those things impact like theology and ethics. Right. Um, which is cool. Well, what's unethical about beauty and emotion? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not so much that it's not so much that there's something unethical about it. It's <laughs> aesthetics is such a weird thing because so like aesthetics as like a thing that you're thinking about. So like how a thing feels or, you know, right. The way a thing looks like those things are um, notoriously strange for modern and contemporary people like us or like maybe up to like two or three generations ago because because we learned how to think scientifically 
and and like beauty is hard to categorize using the scientific method and so and so there's this moment where uh so like richard dawkins i hate to pick on richard dawkins he should oh, here we go with richard dawkins again i think you're secretly in love with the man I must, must love him. I talk must about him all the time, like a jilted lover. It's crazy. Such a he's such a good person to pick on. Um, <laughs> but but Richard Richard Dawkins uh, and people like him will try to make arguments for beauty from like an evolutionary perspective. And so so the question is like, why do people find anything beautiful? Like what what would be the point of that? Like. You know, we 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 look out at the Grand Canyon and many people the first time they look out at the Grand Canyon and many people the 20th time they look out at the Grand the Grand Canyon are like, oh, my God, like like they're just they're overwhelmed. They can't believe it. It's and, a ditch. <laughs> yeah, it's a, but but you're exactly right. It's a ditch, right? Like it's who cares, you know, or or like when a child when their children are born. You know, and they're looking at little alien blobs and, and they go, oh, my God, this is beautiful. Like, like it's it's ridiculous. And, you know, and Richard- I think but I think what uh, just as a quick uh, aside, that is a myth. Like <laughs> people say that people say that because they think they have to say that. But I can tell you, honestly, whenever I first saw my daughter, when she was hanging out of my wife's vagina, I was like, what the hell is that thing? <laughs> it was not cute. It was not beautiful. It was gray and bloody and screaming. And it was not what we're supposed to think of as like immediate love affair with your child. Right. And I, I would wager yeah. that that's not an un, uncommon thing. <laughs> you, you're, you're probably not. You're probably not wrong. I had I had a personally I had a very intense encounter with beauty when Adrea was born, recognizing that she looked like an ugly alien. <laughs> but like, but like, I still was like, oh, it's I'm amazed. Um, but but beauty is one of those kind of weird things. Like it's 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 worth thinking through, particularly for like modern and contemporary people, because like a lot of times we're just not trained to think about beautiful things in the same way as like ancient or medieval people who right like beauty was this sort of live category, you know. And so like, here, here's a good example. So like one of my favorite little pieces of theology, which I'd actually recommend anybody to read. It's, it's the, you can get translations that are really, really skillfully done that are really easy to read uh, is written by a, a, a third century or fourth century theologian named Athanasius. And, and it's just this little treatise on the incarnation. And so Athanasius is trying to answer the question, why in the world do we believe Jesus was, was both, was both human and God? Like, why do we think that? And it's this really great little book. It's well-written. It's really interesting. He, he's an engaging writer. Um, but he, in one part of the book, he answers the question. One of the ways he answers the question is he says, um, some, of our, some of the pagans, some of the detractors would say, um, God becoming a human being is disgusting. It's dirty and gross and don't you know human beings shit out of their ass and and some of us even put things in our ass like it's it's yeah. gross you know and and Athanasius is like no 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 sure of course we're gross <laughs> i don't disagree we smell bad and are weird but but Athanasius makes an argument that that the the source of all existence 
concentrating itself in the form of this gross, you know, kind of kind of fickle creature is is a supremely artistic move. And that's how he makes the argument. The argument is this is an artistic move. God is making a, a artful, skillful, beautiful, stylish, stylish move to destroy death and, and defeat evil by by tricking death. That's kind of how he puts it. By 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 creating a lure, you know, by tricking mm-hmm. death into into being like, ooh, there's God. And he's in this frail body. We can kill him. And um <laughs> To, to like us, to like modern and contemporary people, that sounds like really mythological. It sounds, it sounds, you know, it might make us go, I mean, that's not really an argument. Sure. But like for kind of ancient and medieval, you know, thinking the, the argument from beauty, which is, which is ultimately what Athanasius is making, he's making an aesthetic argument is a live option, you know, that it's, that it's an artistic move that's a that it's a clever move is is a maybe a strong enough reason and um and i actually think and this is why it's worth studying now like for christian theology a lot of christian theology rests on moves like that you know it rests on uh uh, why is the crucif why would the crucifixion do anything well one of the arguments is it's this kind of badass move <laughs> right. it's this kind of it's this kind of beautiful move you know the 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 image of the crucified carpenter as the savior of the world is a beautiful image it's an image that is supposed to fill us with a kind of response a kind of emotional response and that's not a manipulative response that that's that's the point of the response the point of the image is that it it's meant to kind of do something to us inwardly um, rather than convince us the same way like a geometric proof convinces us. Right. Uh, it convinces us in this other way. And so that's one of my classes, is sort of a class thinking through some of that and, and whatever. Um, so it's more or less a cultural class. Mm-hmm. Because really the explanation to that is, is just varying cultures. Right? If we had a little bit more cultural awareness, um, we would be able to understand where people were coming from a little better. Yeah, yeah, I right. think you're right. I think you're right. Um, one of my favorite, we're, we're actually not reading this book in this class. In, in earlier versions of the class, we the, the, apparently my professor assigned this book. But there's this book by one of my favorite theologians, David Bentley Hart, called uh, The Beauty of the Infinite, in which David Bentley Hart, it's this piece of thick systematic theology, like it's a piece of theology, where he essentially makes the argument that Christianity in kind of postmodern world, like Christianity now, um, can really only be convincing to people if we make an argument from beauty. So, so David Lee Hart's not really not really attempting to explain things scientifically. It's not that he not that he's anti science. He's just like I can't do it. Like it's not it's not meant to to be that way. And right. instead, he's trying to make arguments of the reason why you believe in Jesus Christ is that it's beautiful. You know, right. like, like the reason why you do that is it's beautiful. It's a, be- it's a beautiful notion. And that beauty doesn't have to be an illusory beauty. It can be true. It can be a real beauty. It doesn't just have to be a nice thought. Um, and he, he talks about this. He makes a little joke in it. Um, 
where he talks about how beauty is this, you know, is this really interesting thing in which when we encounter beauty, we, we almost encounter it um, in some way separate from the way a thing looks. So like sometimes we confuse the beautiful with the pretty. Right. And, uh, and he's like, don't get me wrong. The pretty can be beautiful. It definitely can. Or the attractive or the sexually arousing, all of those things can be beautiful. But, but when we encounter beauty, it's something sort of intangible and sort of out there. And it's often connected to the ethical or it's often connected to, you know, the clever. Beautiful is a pretty, pretty wide encompassing term, right? I mean, I've seen sunsets. I don't want to fuck them, but I, right. I, I find them beautiful. There's, there's different, there's different avenues of beauty. There's different um, dimensions of beauty. So that's exactly right. And so, but he, he, in, in certain medieval thinking, this is the sort of joke he makes. In certain medieval thinking, um, medieval Christians claimed that in order for a thing to be beautiful, it had to shine. And so like it had to it had to have like this sort of luminescence or this this explains all the halos, right? Yeah, it does. (laughs) All the artwork. It does, (laughs) does, absolutely. And and David Binley Hart, you know, he's he's just like he's like, that's of course complete shit. You know, that's that's utter (laughs) it's utter garbage, you know. And he's he's like, I once I once knew a medievalist, like I once knew a medieval a theologian who studied medieval theology. Um who who told me that if you ever if you ever thought you experienced a beautiful day that was rainy and gray that you were simply in error <laughs> like <laughs> no you didn't that wasn't actually beautiful and they've been yeah. Bentley Hart's like yeah I, well <laughs> I, mean, I don't know what to tell you um like you are simply in error my friend you know um David Bentley Hart this is the guy who wrote um Sometimes he, David Bentley Hart writes op-eds for like, like the New York Times and stuff. Like uh-huh. they'll, they'll contact him to write things about religion or culture or whatever. And this is the guy who wrote like three or four years ago an article in the New York Times that says uh, that that was titled uh, "The New York Yankees are a moral abomination." <laughs> <laughs> it's a great article. He just writes about greed and baseball. And yeah. and how and how the New York Yankees are going to hell like like they're like they're all <laughs> evil. as an institution like we're we're talking about the scum of the earth guys you know <laughs> and I and it was in the New York Times and you you, get, you have to love it you have to be like good for him. I'm TAing uh, an intro to New Testament class. Um, there's 200 kids in that class. There's 200 undergrads in that class. Wow. Um, and you went to Penn State. So like, you know, you, you experienced. Well, it just seems like uh, um, a big class load for like a first time teacher. Just like, here you go. Here's 200 people, you know, yeah. make them learn stuff. Make right? them learn stuff. So, so let me tell you how that class is set up. So like Monday and Wednesdays, that class, there's a lecture that those 200 kids have to go to. And I don't do the lecture, at least not this time. Um, the professor does the lecture. So Professor Spittler, my early Christian thought professor. Because they get all the glory, right? They're the, they're the ones they, they that get, get all, all the, glory. the fame and the glory. 
one day when I when I finish my comps, they'll let me just teach a class by myself. But like <laughs> right now, it's it's not how it works. Um, but Dr. Spitler, she teaches Monday and Wednesday. She lectures for an hour on early Christian on New Testament and early Christian literature. And so she'll she'll be like, all right. So this Monday she's she's lecturing on the Gospel of Mark. And so everybody's got to come in and having read the Gospel of Mark. And uh, and she's going to lecture for an hour. Bing, bang, boom. And then I'm assigned 60 of those 200 students. And my job, you're going to love this. My job is not to lead discussion. She's cut out the discussion portion. Usually the TAs will lead an hour of discussion on the lecture. She's like, we're not going to do discussions. It's it's not really important for, for this particular kind of class. Like, they really just need to engage with the material and and listen to the lecture and do the assignments. Yeah. So so like, my job is to take sixty students and grade their weekly assignments, provide feedback for their weekly assignments, and be their office hours for, you know. Each week. So you are a glorified secretary for your I, teaching for the professor. Yeah, like basically, basically, and I like yeah. Dr. Spitler a ton. You you dig this woman a ton. She's super cool. Like she yeah. she taught my my early Christian thought class last semester, and you know it's just she's really cool. But but she's like yeah, there's 200 kids. I'm not I'm not going to learn their names. You know? <laughs> are you the are you the only one who's uh, involved in this or no no there's a couple other tas who are ah taking... so she she gets all the glory for the 200 person speeches where she can go up there and proselytize and spread her liberal agenda and you're the <laughs> one and you're the one that has to do all the grunt work and support yep. her while she's drinking coffee on her days off yeah pretty much pretty much that's I right but hey, man, you put it on the resume and it says, hey, <laughs> you've been in the classroom. And I'm like, I have, you know, <laughs> so it works out. It works out. And it also and she's this is actually this is going to sound silly, but but she's smart in this way. Like the other reason well, why I she, tell she's smart, but <laughs> oh, I know. But but she's she's helpful, smart for us. Right. Like the other reason is she's like, this is also something you put on your resume when they ask you if you've done online teaching because you will have done online teaching because yes. I'm not making you do in-person discussion leading. It's all online. And since this is now since COVID, this is now a, a, essentially a mandatory second skill that all higher education folks need to be able to do. She's yeah. like, you're welcome. Like here's, yeah. here's your resume, you know? And, and yeah. I'm like, Thanks, Doctor Spitler. I'd also like a job, you know. That yeah, now you, and now you got the rig for it and everything. I mean, it's great. Exactly. <laughs> um, and so, and so, I had office hours today. Like, like they're already sending me in their their first weekly assignment. It's due tomorrow at midnight, and I've yeah. got like sixty kids on like a roster, and I'm like, I get to grade their assignments, and I get to now, provide. What feedback. sort of assignments are they? You don't have to read sixty additional papers on top of the you know volumes of books that you have to read for your other classes, do you? No, no, no. There's no this this class. There's no at least not for this class. This class is sort of weekly, like maybe 250 or 500 word response assignments. And uh -huh. so like um, this first week of class is just sort of a real easy baseline 
what is your relationship to the New Testament sort of sort of an assignment. And yeah. and then like other weeks might be, you know, this week we discussed the gospel of Mark and 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 the the Markan theory that Mark is sort of forms a baseline for all of the gospels of the New Testament. What parts of the gospel of Mark do you see interconnecting? Like stuff like that. And then they might write 500 words and then I you know, I read them, I grade them out of 10. And then um, I provide feedback. And so I, I might write three sentences and send it to them and be like, hey, you know, this is really interesting. Or, hey, have you thought about this? Or, hey, or you just have to you're a moron. <laughs> an idiot, you know, like stuff like that. Um, and, still, and 500 words times 60 students is like 30,000 words. That's a lot of that's a lot of reading. It is a lot of reading. But it's but, especially but it's, whenever it's not like David Bentley Hart's material, it's like. Right. Earl from like Kenosha, <laughs> you know, <laughs> exactly, exactly. But it's fun. You know, I'm, I'm excited at least for now. And, and, and I have, you know, I, I basically what I'll do is I'll take a day. I'll take like, like, you know, I, I'll grade them maybe Sunday evening. That'll just be how that's going to be when I'll do it. Right. Like I'll be like, all right, Sunday evening, I'll sit and I'll, you know, knock it out and I'll, that'll be done. But I had office hours today. A guy came into my office hours, like like I'm on Zoom. Wow. And basically, like that's how the office hours go. Like the, I'll I'll have my Zoom up for between two and three every Thursday, and then like and somebody came in. I was like, oh, so you just like sit there with the Zoom window open, waiting for people to pop in, and just hope yeah. they're not like on the wrong OnlyFans account or something. That's exactly what I do. That's <laughs> literally exactly what I did. And I was at church today, and so like I came into church. I did a shit ton of church work. And then like, and then like my secretary's like, Hey, I got to go. And I'm like, okay, I got to stay. And she's like, why? And I'm like, I have office hours. And so like, I set up my, the, the thing in my church office and the zooms calls up and, uh, one guy dropped in. He was like, Hey, uh, Mr. Shear. And I was like, you can just call me Ethan. He's not gonna call me <laughs> Dr. Shear. I'm not a doctor. I'm like, you can just call me. Ethan. He's like, Hey, um, where's the assignment posted? And I was like, it's in the assignment tab on the collab. <laughs> And he was like, oh, there it is. And I'm like, cool. Is that all? And he's like, yeah, thanks. And then he leaves. I'm like, great. <laughs> you know? <laughs> it probably was harder to find your Zoom call than it was to find the assignment. Probably. <laughs> probably. But it was uh, fun. It was cool. Can, like, anybody come into these? Because I would love to drop in at some point. <laughs> I'll send you a link. You know, I have it set up on the roster, but I, I can I can get the link to you if you really want to. And you can just you can just hop in and just sit around, you know. And, <laughs> and uh, But no, like, like it's I knew it wasn't going to be many this time. Like, like Dr. Spittler was like, they're going to drop in by like week four. You're going to start having people drop in who are like, can you explain this assignment? Because I'm very scared, you know, like, because like, it's like an intro. Oh, you, you know, though, you know what we could do, though, if if um, if I assume whenever more more than one person logs in at a time, they're all able to see one another. Right. Sure. So if I'm in there, you can like text me information about these people and I'll be like, I was sitting behind you. Don't you remember seeing me? That's and right. just like totally. <laughs> Totally fuck with people's heads. It could be a lot of fun, right? With them. Yeah, it'd be good. <laughs> no, it, it's good. Let me let me tell you about this last class, and then I'll okay. and then move on. I uh, on on uh, Wednesday. So so I have 
Tuesdays, I have my theologies of beauties and stuff class. Wednesdays, right. I have the lecture because I have to go to each lecture, the Monday and Wednesday lecture I have to be at. Um, and then uh, there's so many football players, by the way, in that class. It's awesome. It's so <laughs> weird. Like, like I've never been to, I never went to a school with football players. Like, that's just, that's just my, my college in that football. Well, UVA has some good football players. <laughs> yeah, I know, you know, and, and so like, you know, and, and they, they're like walking in. I'm like, I'm pretty darn sure that's a football player. Like, and, and they're yeah. there. And, and you know why they're got... taking that class? Cause they think it's easy. Cause they're not there for theology. They're there for football. <laughs> you're, you're right. <laughs> you're right. And Dr. Spittler's like, yeah, I mean, you're going to get athletes. And, and she's oh my like, God, you have to read three thirty thousand words of football players theology. This is going to be amazing. <laughs> Well, and remember, like, like I have a particular, so when I'm able to start teaching classes on my own, this is a quick side yeah. thing. Like, like I'll have, I'll have the opportunity around my, my fourth year. Um, uh, they, they might ask me, Hey, you know, how'd you feel about teaching a class that's in sort of your research field? Like, right. you want to try that out? You know, it's not, it's not a mandatory thing, but it's a good idea. Like, like if you can, if you can swing it, that's a good thing to do. And, uh, and like, and I'm already, every time I have a new research idea or I'm like writing stuff down, I come up with a title for the class because yeah. that's how you do it. Like in religious studies and theology, the reason why, and I for, I firmly believe this, like I firmly believe that the reason why people are not taking religion and theology classes at schools that offer it, like who are outside of the department is because of the title of the, of the classes. Like right. you, you do not title a class on evil you know, like, like God in the question of evil. No, you title it is God a fucking asshole. Like that's <laughs> right. You would, you would take that class. Like yeah. <laughs> you'd be like, yeah, I want, I'll yeah. take that class. Like, like that's what you do. You know, or you don't, like you demons don't... in your closet. Yeah. 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 I'll, yeah. I'll take that shit. You know, like, or, um, or like you don't, you don't teach a class on black liberation theology and have it called, have it be called, you know, you know, theology and race you you say is god a white racist you know that's the name of the class is god a white racist you know and then you go oh i kind of i kind of want to take that class you know like that's what you do and so like i in his tiki torch right yeah, exactly exactly kkk you know clansman savior what's what's the answer like like that's what you want um and then and so like i'm coming up with all these titles you know for for like for these classes i want to teach but anyway um, the last, the, the class I'm in on Wednesday, like class I'm taking on Wednesday is a class on theologies of resistance and reconciliation. And it's taught by a guy named Dr. Marsh, Charles Marsh, who's a, uh, like a, one of the, one of the professors in the department that is relatively well-known, like kind of outside yeah. of academic world. Like he writes about the civil rights movement and he writes but about, he's not like he's not like Aberdeen, Scotland. Well, no, no, he's I not, mean. he's not, but, but like, but like folks like know who he is, you know, like yeah. he's like, when, when you, when I say to certain people like who are either in the academic world or who are in like the religion, clergy, whatever world, when I say, yeah, I'm getting my PhD at UVA. Uh, it's not uncommon for me to hear, Oh, that's where Charles Marsh teaches. Like, and then I go, yeah, that's where Charles Marsh teaches. 
and um, really, really nice guy, Charles Marsh. He's the first time I've met him. And um, but he writes on, like I said, he writes on like the civil rights movement. He writes on uh, a theologian I like named Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who's mm-hmm. a German theologian who who tried to kill Hitler. Um, <laughs> he was cool. He, he'd like him too. He, he he's like. His, How could you not? He tried to kill Hitler. Yeah, he tried to murder Hitler. He was a pretty brilliant theologian too. He's this pastor and resistance leader who like, like started like an underground seminary because because the seminaries had to register with the Nazi government. And he was like, mm, no. And then so he he started an underground seminary and and then his brother-in-law Dietrich Bonhoeffer's brother-in-law was was not like in like the Nazi inner circle, like not not really, but was like working for the government. And, and was privy to certain things. And there's this sort of infamous moment where Dietrich Bonhoeffer is visiting his sister and his brother-in-law comes home and hands him this Manila, like basically this Manila older and says, Dietrich, they're turning people into soap. And he, and he shows him the evidence and Bonhoeffer's like, holy fuck, you know, <laughs> right? And uh, and Bonhoeffer Bonhoeffer was the only Christian in his family. His whole fa- his whole family was full of atheists, and his sister is this atheist. Is like, what are you going to do about it, Dietrich? You know, are we going to do something about this? And Dietrich's like, I don't know. And his sister's like, all you Christians are the same. Just talk, 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 talk. And then when actual evil is happening, y'all just sit around and hope somebody else handles it. And Bonhoeffer's like, you know what? You're fucking right. Let's fucking murder him. <laughs> <laughs> and, so, and so they tried to kill him and then it didn't work and then he was thrown into a concentration camp and then he was executed you know <laughs> and so but anyway he writes on Bonhoeffer and it's a thought that counts right it's a thought it's a thought that counts but he was a pretty brilliant guy um but I'm in this class and uh and there's me and another PhD student who's in my cohort her name's Catherine she's great and then there's some religious studies first year master's students there's like two or three who are also nice and then there's just a crap ton of people from like other departments there's just, there's just like eight undergrads three of them are like engineering majors one of them is like a public policy major there's a couple of master's students from from like other from like political science and they're all taking it this class for lots of reasons but but many of them are taking it because one of the people we're reading in this class is MLK. Right. And, and they're like, yeah, like we want to learn about, you know, MLK and social activism and public policy and bing, bang, boom. And, and, and like some of the people in this class are like, well, you see, we just love Jesus so much. And we really think all this is going to sound great, which really threw me off for a second. I was like, <laughs> like, what the hell are you talking about? A night. It was just this weird, earnest moment from this nineteen-year-old. Like these nineteen-year-olds are like, "We're a part of the, we're a part of the Christian fellowship here on grounds, and we just, we just think Jesus is great, and we want to learn more about people loving Jesus." And I'm like, "Okay." There's this thing called church. You should try yeah, that out. <laughs> going to church, but all, all right, whatever. You know, and and I and like we're reading, we're reading like for the class is basically just for specific thinkers it's bonhoeffer king a guy by the name of reinhold niebuhr who is a christian intellectual in america from the 30s and then a woman named dorothy zola who is a a a christian theologian and like resistance person 
uh, from like the sixties to the nineties. And, and so, and I know all four of these people decently, like, like I've read their work and um, I'm excited for the class. Like, I think it's going to be a cool class. I don't know how these poor undergrads or these people from these other, from these other departments are going to take to this stuff. Like, like we're here because we love Jesus. And I'm like, well, when Dietrich Bonhoeffer was in prison, he wrote a, he wrote a, like a little essay, you know, in his, in his prison diary about how only a God on the gallows can possibly save us now. Like, like Bonhoeffer writes this haunting stuff about like the death of God and, and the religionless Christianity, like, or or like king when king's not delivering i have a dream king's like white liberals are fucking murdering us you know know? or or like niebuhr like niebuhr was this um grew up as a pacifist and then like and then like at the end of world war like one or the beginning of world war two niebuhr's like no fuck pacifism murder the nazis murder them with our guns you know like 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 it's all dorothy zola like introduce creates the term christo fascism like dorothy zola's like you know who we really need to be fucking scared of church church people are gonna fucking murder us you know like and he's and, and i'm like man i don't know how these people are gonna handle this like well, there are a bunch of there are a bunch of like evangelical young kids that are like uh i love jesus i want to hear more about how jesus is gonna save me yeah <laughs> and then it's gonna be like well here's the real deal yeah like like and I like all four of these. I like all four of these people, you know. Like, like I, I think it's all great. All four of the people that were reading love Jesus too. Like, but, but, like, it's, <laughs> it's just really, it's, it's really, it's going to be surreal. I think for for some of these, some of these undergrads in particular. And uh, uh, and Catherine and I, Catherine, my other PhD person is in the class, is Catholic. Um, and and so she and I have this blood feud going on between protestants and catholics that's like we've decided that right (laughs) right exactly catherine's really great you'd like her but but catherine is you know she's like i'm decidedly catholic i think protestants are going to hell and i'm really okay with that and she's you know kind of joking and 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 so like she's kind of joking but not 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 the whole way joking it's the same kind of thing i hear whenever like you know i hear about new COVID deaths and 99.7 percent of them are unvaccinated and i'm kind of like yeah okay. you know like, <laughs> but does it well nah. <laughs> you should have taken that horse tranquilizer whatever the fuck we're supposed to be taking now to keep us safe didn't um, have enough hydro hydroxychloroquine apparently sorry yeah whatever <laughs> uh, you didn't get a that bleach enema was supposed to save your life i don't know what yeah, happened right um but like so Catherine, in class you know we've got this we've got this kind of banter going on through our eyes right and and so because we all got masks on and we can't really you know and uh and dr marsh was like all right well i to conclude class i just want to the class is on theologies of reconciliation and resistance so like is there a moment that you guys have in your personal lives where you've really encountered those things like not just kind of you know in in your lives like have you encountered resistance and reconciliation in your life and this guy raises his hand. He's in like the public policy department. He's getting his master's degree. And he's like, when I was growing up, I did not believe in God. And and we're all like, okay, you know, like this is whatever. We're in a public fucking university, brother. Like, like none of us have to believe in God, you know? And he's like, 
But when I turned 17, I just I turned inward and I discovered a mystical communion with God where I realized where I really found a contemplative version of Christian thought. And so I became a Catholic. And I look at Catherine. Catherine's like, <laughs> like, 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 like she, she's <laughs> why? Why is this one? <laughs> like, no. <laughs> and and he told this crazy story. And then, like, the next person to talk was this like 19-year-old girl who's this undergrad, and she's like, she's like, not like not like rudely evangelical. It's not even that she's evangelical, she's just southern nice white christian you know <laughs> and 19 <laughs> and 19 right and right. so like so it's a lot of it's a lot of christian language and a lot yeah. of you know protestant language she's she's not like she's not talking like a right-wing nut job she's not talking like one of the crazy but <laughs> but it's still very churchy you know it's very protestant churchy and i'm like oh man she's one of she's one of me she's a protestant and Catherine's <laughs> looking at me like See, like you got a psycho here too, and I'm like, yeah, I guess, I guess. One kid was like, I don't really believe in God at all. I'm just here to, you know, learn about what Christians think about, you know, resistance and and all this stuff. I I don't really believe in God. And Charles Marsh is like, that's okay. Most people, you know, after they died, accused Reinhold Niebuhr and Dietrich Bonhoeffer of not really believing in God either. So it works out, <laughs> you know. And he's like, oh, great. <laughs> so that's life. That's life uh, for me right now. How was, how was Colorado? How was Colorado? <laughs> well, I don't want this to be all about me, but I will, I will share it's okay, one. Man, I haven't talked to you in a while. A I, will, I will share a story. Um, Colorado was, I am glad that I got to see family. So my wife's from Colorado, listeners. I have not been to Colorado until this past week. And so I got to meet members of my wife's family that I had never met before. Um, the quick and dirty version is my wife and her twin sister and my mother-in-law lived in Colorado until 1999 when um, my wife's mom and dad got a divorce. And then this is actually kind of a cool story. Um, I won't go into it in major detail, but in 1999, my mother-in-law met my now, you know, stepfather-in-law on an online chat room in 1999 they met, and then Chris, my father-in-law, my stepfather-in-law, drove from Lidditz, Pennsylvania, to Colorado to meet her for the first time, meet my mother-in-law. They went back to Lidditz, Pennsylvania for a week, and then the week after that, my mother-in-law came back to Colorado to get my wife and my wife's twin sister and says, we're moving to Pennsylvania <laughs> <laughs> and they've been together ever since, you know, <laughs> and so, yeah, who's, who says the internet can't breed love. It's great. It's great. <laughs> but, but uh, so I, I was out there because my wife's biological father is getting remarried. Um, and uh, she's a fucking psycho dude. Like, like she's completely uh, my, my father and my, my best biological father's new wife is fucking out there. It was great to meet family that I hadn't met before. Um, 
and it really was like legitimately quite nice uh to meet some different folks and beth uh beth's twin sister came with us as well and so they got to see family they hadn't seen in a long time drea had a wonderful time uh which is really good um the biggest let me tell you let me tell you just the biggest silly story and then i'll and then i'll get off of it so i'm doing the wedding that's why we that's why i went of course because they've got an in with with you <laughs> that's right that's right so i'm doing are you able to do that or do you still have your magic powers in colorado not in colorado but they don't know that huh, okay so it's not legit anyway right? the government of colorado doesn't care either like i had to look that up too and i was like oh well fuck that you know then it doesn't matter um and so they asked me to do it like seven or eight months ago yeah we spent eighteen hundred dollars to, to, to do this thing like oh my god i was so oh god i was so angry like they were like we'll pay your way over and i was like well if you guys are paying Bullshit. we'll agree to do it they didn't pay what they did was they flew us they out pay. they flew us out on frontier because mm -hmm. they had frequent flyer miles and frontier is a cheap ass uh, uh, -huh. uh airline yeah and so we got our tickets for free but we had to pay for our own baggage yeah we had to pay for everything else yeah like literally everything else they 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 and they themselves didn't even pay for it it was all on their like was like on their like rewards card like i was like right. fuck you <laughs> fuck you and so we ended up spending between the rental car and needing to pay for our luggage eighteen hundred dollars we spent easily two thousand dollars for a for a three-day trip right i i was incredibly angry i was incredibly <laughs> angry over that um if they'd have paid like if they'd have made good on that I'd have just been annoyed. You know, I'd been annoyed right. by what we had to do, but I'd at least be like, well, they, they did what, you know, they took, it's the dude, Ron is still Beth's dad. So like, come on, Ron, you know? <laughs> yeah. Right. Heather, man. But anyway, um, <laughs> so, so they asked me to do it like eight months ago and I was like, okay. And then Chris, my, my stepdad, my stepfather-in-law. So my, my real father-in-law, Chris, Chris right. found that out and he was like, <laughs> you're a fucking idiot. Like, you're, you're the dumbest, you're the dumbest kid I've ever met. You're, you're the, my stupidest son. <laughs> I'm like, at this point, I'm your only son, Chris. So get yeah. it, you know, get it together. And because Chris has only been able to produce girls, and I'm the only I'm the only uh, son-in-law right now. Uh, and and so and he's like, Good luck, that place is a shithole. <laughs> <You know? laughs> And so uh, they, they asked me to do it. I hadn't heard anything from them since they asked me to do it. And so we flew out there. And basically what that means to me is they're going to hand me what I need to do. Right. Because if they didn't need to talk to me anymore, then we got it. I'm starting to do more weddings now, like now that I'm established. And so like I'm on like a wedding website now, like a wedding Facebook page where I'm like an officiant. And so like I'm just got hired to do a, a wedding you know in april of next year which i'm really excited for but like i have to meet with them and they want to meet with me and all of that these right there's like you know planning involved right these guys didn't want to do that and i was like that's fine <laughs> and so we we get to the rehearsal which is on this ranch you know uh, colorado as you know 
is flat except for giant mountains and yeah. then it's just flat and so like i'm essentially on this i i feel like i'm in you know i feel like i'm in mad max <laughs> i'm like and i'm like standing in a ranch where you know and 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 i'm meeting members of beth's family and and you know whatever and it's going to be outside at this ranch thing and and like i so i started this the, the rehearsal there was already drama prior to the rehearsal. The rehearsal's beginning, and 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 like we get, I get everybody lined up. Like who's in the bridal party? Like because I know how to run wedding rehearsals. I do this. I did this for three years full time, basically. You know, I've worked weddings, and so like I get everybody lined up. Ron and his new wife are down there in front of me, and I'm like, okay. And I look at them, and then they look at me. And we stare at each other for a few minutes. And I'm like, what's the plan? Like, what do you guys want? And they're like, oh, we just figured you you just do the normal. And I'm like, guys, there is no normal. I don't I don't really know what you think is happening. Like, I don't I don't you've been married before. You know there is no no you you have to know that. Like I don't get it. It's so weird. And, and so and so I was like, okay, well, do you guys have your own vows? No. Okay, I guess I'll write the service tonight. And I did. I you were the wedding to, planner too. That's so I went sweet. back and I wrote the whole fucking service. Like at anyway, prior to that, this is this is the silly part. Prior to that, like they Tanya, Ron's now husband, now wife, did have things she wanted. And Tanya was like, well, I want this to happen in the ceremony. I want this to happen in the ceremony. I want this to happen in the ceremony. And one of the things she wanted was she wanted a moment of silence. Let me talk to you. This is the cognitive dissonance of these, of these people. Remember, I'm fucking terrified. I don't want my daughter to get sick with COVID-19. Like, like, she's four. She's not vaccinated. I don't want her to get sick. If I get sick or Beth gets sick, whatever. Like, we're vaccinated. We're, we're probably not going to die. Um, but I, I don't want Andrea to get sick. And so I, I'm, just, I'm just heightened the whole time. They have a, their, their original maid of honor dies of COVID-19 four months ago. We're still doing the ceremony. I'm like, okay, like, I'm sorry. If like a major member of the wedding party is dead because of a disease that we could all catch, why are we still doing this? Like it just doesn't make any sense. And so, and so Ta Tanya, Tanya's like, I want a moment of silence for Ron's mom and dad who died like 12 years ago. I'm like, okay, I want a moment of silence for my former, for my maid of honor who died of COVID. I was like, Okay, I mean, we're just inviting hubris there, but whatever. Like, like the judgment of God will descend on us, you know, for this. I'm sure we won't all get COVID, but unfortunately, one of us did, and she died. <laughs> um, and then, and then she says, uh, "We also want a moment of silence for Chris, for Christy." And I went for Christy. Um, okay, I don't need to know who these people are. I just need to know their names so I can. I can say their names. Christy, and what's Christy's last name? And and uh, and Tony's like, Lewis, duh. 
of course it's Lewis. And I was like, uh, okay. So that's when I began to like piece a few things together. So Lewis is, is Ron's last name. Lewis is Beth's maiden name. Okay. And I'm like, Christy Lewis. Christy Lewis is Ron's second wife who died like a few years ago. And it's the only reason they're getting married now. So Tanya wants a moment of silence for Ron's second late wife because she's sad she couldn't be here for the union of their love. <laughs> what the fuck? Like what? And and uh, and then like it, it's like hitting my brain like like it's so stupid that it's not even entering my mind like it's such it's the dumbest thing in the world my brain is just rejecting it like like I'm like this is the dumbest shit I've ever heard no that's what she wants that's what she wants now now there's a reason for this other than the fact that she's stupid the other reason for this is Christie's daughter Megan is very close with with. Beth and Beth's twin sister missing. And right. so like, and so like Christy, Christy's been in the family for a while, you know, Christy and Ron got together in like 99, you know, like she was there for a while. Like, and, and so like Megan, Christy's, Christy's daughter has a really good relationship with Ron. And Megan was actually at like Beth and my wedding. Like, like right. she was, she's, she's one of Beth's sisters. That's she's how Beth understands it. Right. And and so and so this is like Tanya's way of like, in, like including it. Like I'm like, this is the, it doesn't make any sense though. Like <laughs> like it's like Megan May doesn't want that. Like, oh, wouldn't it be great if Christy could be here to see this? I'm like, no, it wouldn't. It would be terrible. <laughs> it would be terrible. Because Christy would be like, Why are you fucking marrying my husband? <laughs> Like, oh my god and then, and then like and then like and it did like i was like okay and i had to say it that's yeah. the dumbest part of colorado that was the dumbest part of that trip was was that and it was just a total debacle like, well, like they I'm, were, I'm really oh. glad we got that story out of you but i just really wanted to know what you thought of colorado itself as a location <laughs> i got to go into denver that was really cool um yeah. It was really smoky. So like the we went at yeah. a time when the wildfires in California were really billowing smoke in. Yeah. And so like the the it was kind of, you know, it was just hazy, pretty much the old time. And and it, and it was irritating. Like my throat's still a little irritated actually. Yeah. Um it grew on me. I will admit that. I will admit that it grew on me. Um once I relaxed a little bit and spent a little time with members of the family that I really liked, um, they wanted, they, they didn't want to go anywhere local. Like I ate at an Applebee's and a Texas roadhouse. I was like, Oh that. wow. Really expanding your borders there. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I, and I didn't choose that, but, but like my last day in yeah. Colorado, there was this local like top uh, burrito taco place that, um, yeah. that, that, Terry, my mother-in-law, really liked. And so they went and got like a big, like the family we were staying with went and got like a big batch of them. Like big batch of burritos from this place. Because we were going to bring some back on the plane, like in a cooler to, to Terry. 
um, as like a remember your home, you know, kind of a thing. And they were like, have as many as you want. Cause there was like, there's like 30 of them. And so I like grabbed one for breakfast and I was like, oh my, <laughs> this is the best part of the trip, you know, <laughs> this is good. So the, when I did have local food, it, it was good. I told Beth at the end, I was like, I was like, I of course will come back to Colorado. Can we wait until there is no more, no more global pandemic? And can we like, like decide what we're going to do first? And have it not be just after just maybe you, maybe you can come back for the divorce. <laughs> and I'll come back for the fourth marriage. <laughs> God, I was so pissed off. And then the, the last story about this is we're at the wedding to till you know dusk. Like we're there forever. And and like I like Adre to go to bed. Like I'm scared. Matt, I'm nervous. Like I don't want to Dre out with these people. I don't know who these sure, people I get are. It. I understand. You know, and and uh and and so I'm like, can we go? Like like I, but I also don't want to be. I don't want to be that husband, right? Like right. I don't want to be. I don't want to be that guy that's just like, let's go. You know, I want to. Yeah. Uh, so I'm kind of in this weird tension. And Beth was like, Ron's gonna do, or Dad's gonna do a a, a grandpa, you know, dance with the grandkids. This is a couple of Megan has a few kids, and and you know, there, there's a couple of grandkids. I was like, okay. And uh, we were there forever. We get to that part. And and Tanya's like, Ron doesn't want to dance. <laughs> and I was like, I'm going to run Ron over with my car. I'm going to get in the <laughs> rental car. I'm just going to kill him. And then we're going to leave. Like, like, ah, man, Ron, you are killing me. And he's been killing me ever since. Well, but you I have go a back. Jeep. Oh yeah, that's right. I had that Jeep Wrangler. You could have went out in the mountains and really. I could. I know I how should've. much of an outdoorsman you are. I know how much you enjoy the outdoors and all and all, all nature and it's all all its splendor. My yeah. my favorite thing about uh, Colorado is it's it's so physically different than than in Pennsylvania. Like if I come down to, to visit you in Virginia or I go down to see my my brother in law in Tennessee, the landscape, the 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 foliage, everything is pretty much the same. I mean, it's it, yeah. it, it's all Appalachia, right? It's all, yeah. I mean, it, it's far away, but it, it's, there's not like that really change of scenery. Yeah. Like once you get across the Mississippi river, everything changes. And that's the thing I really liked about Colorado. And <laughs> you were telling me about, they gave you a Jeep or something for your yeah. rental car. I was like, Oh man, I would have gotten so much trouble in Colorado. If they would have handed me a Jeep. I can't even believe they'd let you rent that out there. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I mean, it was miserable. I hated that Wrangler. Like, I'm yeah. glad I wanted to. I've always wanted to drive one. I've always wanted to be in one. Oh, I like awful. Jeeps, but but, no, I, but I don't. Like those Wranglers. are terribly uncomfortable. Oh yeah, man. But I would have been like, let's go up Pikes Peak on sure. the road. <laughs> like that's what time. I <laughs> And I said that to Beth. I was like, I go back with you, and and I and I mean it. Like I'm like, of course I go back. Like. It wasn't a bad flight. It was a three-hour flight. Super easy, you know. Like, yeah. like I, of course, I'd go back. Of course, we, of course, I'd go up a mountain. You know, the Rockies. I, I didn't get close to the Rockies. Like, I, I'd yeah. love to. I'd love to look at a giant mountain. That'd be cool. Yeah. Um, but I did get to go into Denver. Well, Beth and Adrea and her sister Missy were getting their nails done with yeah. the rest of the girls. Which, sorry, Beth. I, I mean, sorry you had to do that. <laughs> but like, well, they're getting their nails done with everybody and getting chewed out and screamed at. 
I, I was like, hey, I'm going into Denver. And they're like, well, what are you going to do in Denver? And I'm like, honestly, I'm going to look for ILIF School of Theology, one of the 13 Methodist schools of theology, because <laughs> one of them's in Denver. And so like, I like drive into Denver in this cheap Wrangler and I, and I'm like, there it is. And then I like get out and I'm just looking at buildings. I'm like, yeah, I'm at Island School of Theology. Couldn't even go in, you know, (laughs) but I was like, cool. It's because it's right there at the University of Denver. And and I'm like, this is cool. I dig it. I dig. I didn't even get to eat anything. But uh, I got, I got Sonic. Like I went to Sonic, you know, I was like, Wow, yeah, I, I'm really glad you were able to experience the local cuisine and local customs at Applebee's and Sonic. What a shame! What a shame! What a great and then, story! And then I was so I was so um, sorry about this, listeners. Sorry to listen to my vacation, but then I was so I was so. Just, it wasn't really a vacation. You were working. <laughs> no, it wasn't. I was so stressed. I was so stressed. That I hadn't pooped in three days prior to this um, <laughs> trip. And so like we're there the second day and I'm like, man, if I don't poop today, I'm going to need to go to the fucking hospital. Like, like, cause I, I was just so impacted. <laughs> and so like, I'm just downing, I'm sorry, everybody. I'm just downing laxatives. And finally, finally the <laughs> dam broke. And like my, my belly, which was distended like an African child in a, in a, in a <laughs> commercial finally just like went back to normal and i was like oh thank god you know at least at least i don't have to poop anymore you know what i found really did the trick for me when we were about three hours away from anything on the side of a mountain i was like oh now i gotta go that's great <laughs> <laughs> that's right be in an inconvenient place <laughs> that, would, that would help <laughs> If, if I, my, my recommendation for anybody that's, that's ever gets constipated and they don't want to take medication, just go be someplace where you shouldn't be whenever you have to go and you don't have to go. <laughs> just nonsense. Oh, brother. Oh, brother. Oh, my. But yeah, it's, that's life, man. That's what's going on. I'm doing theology and getting back from Colorado. I got a uh, family coming in this weekend. My one sister-in-law and her boyfriend will Two of my sisters-in-law and one of their boyfriends are, are coming in for the weekend to because they're passing through to go to the Outer Banks. And I was like, and they had never, they've never been in town. And I was like, hey, we got space, come and visit. I get along really well with the boyfriend, and and so we're gonna uh, get uh, uh, beer and food, you know, in Charlottesville. That's the plan. <laughs> gonna go out to Applebee's and have some Sonic and. Watch Superman. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Oh, a shame. Hey, so, uh, I mean, I got a little time. I have to eat dinner at some point. I know you got to run. Oh, no, listen, I got to wrap up pretty soon. I got rehearsals here, so. Well, and I understand. So, like, can you give us an update? What, what's what's the update on your on your life right now, sir, as we wrap up? Uh, right, right now, on the electrical thing, um, knocking it out of the park grade wise i'm really proud about that um learning a lot of new stuff i enjoy it still i haven't gotten to the point where it feels like it's laborious or or you know inconvenient or anything like like when i went to school before i just didn't want to be there but now i actually do want to be there so that's good um still waiting to hear back from the prison on 
still waiting to hear back from the prison on what they're going to offer. I've talked to my wife about uh, uh, what my parameters are for going back. She's behind me 100%, which is a huge deal. Um, She kind of wants me to finish school, I think, but she also wants to eat. So um, (laughs) I'm in a very good position where I can kind of dictate the terms of my return if I do go back. And if I don't go back, I won't miss it. So that's good. Um, Right now, a lot of my time is being eaten up with theater. Uh, I started rehearsals for my, and casted my new play, uh, Sleepy Hollow. Um, it's the first rehearsal. We had a read through on what's today, Thursday. We had a read through on Monday night. And then last night was our first like rehearsal rehearsal. And it went better than I expected. It was That's great. Awesome. I have a really good cast. I'm really excited about it. I think it's going to be a really good production. I'm going to make sure it's ready by the pumpkin party so that you guys come up you guys can come down and see a rehearsal that'd be Um, great yeah um i've set the goal that all the um lighting and sound effects and props and everything need to be completed by october 1 cool i the play doesn't open until the 23rd um i don't expect we'll meet that goal but i figured if you put it out there we might yeah of course that's that's the plan trying to be proactive on it um but other than that i'll have to tell you about it next week because i gotta get down there pretty soon i understand i want to hear about it well that's really right. good. that's really good yeah well thanks for letting me kind of bitch and rant for a little while no man it was good i, I was glad to hear from you guys thanks for listening it's been an episode of hookah chats with matt and ethan we will see you next time